Welcome to the Stepmomming Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Skiles. Stepmomming is a wild ride, but you don't have to go it alone anymore. I'm here to give you validating insights and powerful shifts to build a stepmom life you love. This is your safe space. Welcome home, my friend. Hello, and welcome to the Stepmomming Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Skiles, and today I am joined by one of my favorite, favorite stepmom gurus on the planet, my friend who literally has a PhD in step family dynamics, Dr. Erin Careless. I am so, so excited that you are here. Yay, me too. (laughs) (laughs) When I originally had the idea to have a podcast, you were on my very short list of people I knew I had to bring on and introduce to everyone who's listening. You're such a wealth of knowledge, and I'm just so excited that you took the time to talk with us today. I'm super excited about this, and like I've already said, oh my god, I miss you, and I I miss our conversation, so this is wonderful, and um, I, I love the topic, and I love talking about it, so you'll probably have to trim and edit many, many minutes away, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. You and I could probably talk for hours. Yeah. It would probably be beyond the length of a normal podcast. Yeah. Like attention span, attention span is, is quick, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to get into all things, stepping back, disengaging, all of that really good material, all those questions that stepmoms have, but they're sometimes afraid to ask or they feel afraid that they're not going Mm. to ask it the right way or worry about guilt or shame or any of the things. We're going to get into all that. But I want to take a second, attention span, (laughs) read your bio, introduce everyone who's unfamiliar with you to you, let them know who you are, your background. So give me a second to do that. Dr. Erin Careless is a certified step-parent coach and writes under the name Step Life. Two stepkids and two hours babies keep life busy for Erin and her husband, Matt. A stepchild herself, Erin experienced divorce, remarriage, and step-siblings within her own family. This experience adds to her ability to coach and support stepmoms in diverse situations. Erin specializes in topics such as stepmother identities and roles, mothering work, parenting styles, stepping back, and hours babies. Her work has been featured in Stepmom Magazine, Step Parent Magazine, Huffington Post, Divorce Force, The Divorce Magazine, and Erin has presented her research at various academic conferences. You can find her on Facebook and Instagram. I'm going to link all of those in the show notes for you. Oh my gosh, you are so impressive. <laughs> that sounds like a lot, but um that you know it's it's interesting. Uh the audience that shows up to those academic conferences to hear about stepmothering is like it's really cool. They're like, I wow, we never talk about this at these conferences. So <laughs> do you find that it's mostly stepmoms? Yeah, a lot of the time it's stepmoms or sometimes women who um, you know, there's a whole kind of body of research around mothering, mother work and and so women that are interested in that kind of um, I guess sort of femi- feminist and critical literature too, but a lot of the time it's women who are yeah, they're in different fields but they see the title and they're like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to show up for that." And it's it's really it's really neat. What a privilege that was to do research around something that was so incredibly relevant for me. Um that's where I learned the most for sure. Yeah. Totally. I just love it. I'm fascinated by your research. I studied sociology in undergrad. Mm. So I, I studied like 
hegemonic masculinity. And I did it specifically within the political space because I was also a poli sci Yeah, fascinating. Ugh. I'm a little social research nerd. Yes. So the idea of you doing all this social research around stepmoms and the mothering experience for stepmoms is absolutely fascinating to me. But <laughs> I don't want to get too nerdy. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> like, let's say that for another conversation, a nerding out conversation. <laughs> Hegemony, ideologies, epistemologies. Okay, we'll park that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could talk to you for hours, but the reason I brought you on today, the thing I would really love for you to share your perspective on with our audience is specifically around stepping Mm. back. These terms are sort of thrown around in the stepmom space for somebody who's kind of dipping their toes in the water of like, oh, you should step back. You should disengage. You should not show up. Let's talk about that. The the phrasing of stepping back. Is it the same as disengaging? What does it mean? What can you share with us? Yes, I think this is the kind of thing that, you know, if you ask 20 people, you're probably going to get 20 slightly different responses. And, you know, so much of this is about interpretation. So I'm going to put a big caveat on this to say for me and for the women that I work with and the women that I've spoken to, the difference really is one in terms of, of how you feel about what it is that you're doing. So for me, stepping back is literally handing the reins back to the parent. So, you know, you've been in this primary parenting position or you've been trying to be a primary parent. It's not working. You're literally passing those reins back. You're stepping back, removing yourself from that primary parenting role. However, you can continue to be super engaged. And I think that that term, again, for me, disengaging is very much like shutting a door. I don't see it that way. I don't see it as like, boom, okay, not not my circus, not my monkeys. I have nothing to do with you guys. I'm living my life very separate from this. And that might not be the interpretation for everyone. So I really, I want to stress that. But when I step back, we had the kids at that time full time and it was summer and I was on mat leave. So I had the kids every day. I was engaged. I fed them. I did activities with them. However, the parenting decisions, the bedtimes, the the screen time expectations, all of those big decisions, chores, no chores, we could never align on those ideas, those expectations, those values. So I gave that back to my husband. How early on in your stepmom relationship, your stepmom journey was this? Oh, I will, I can officially say and admit now that I spent about three years trying to change my husband into someone he is not. And in trying to force a parenting ideology (laughs) in our home that I felt was the right one. And I wasn't a parent. Um, I, that was, it was about three years for me to finally realize like something's got to give or this is not going to work going forward. Um, And it was a a long time and a very, very heavy decision for me. So, you know, in all of this, I would say like, none of this is easy. Nothing in life is easy, but really none of this is easy, but the impact it can have is, is huge. What was that impact for you? What kind of changes do you see in your relationship with your husband 
your relationship with your kids, the kind of family culture? What did that look like? Over time, um, it has without question, 100% saved my marriage. And I don't say that lightly at all. Um, it absolutely was the thing that needed to be done to save my marriage and to make my husband feel like he wasn't being critiqued at all sides. Um, to see that he had a very beautiful and valid way of being a parent for me to feel like I had my own role and my own voice. And a lot of that for me did come with having my own kids too. Uh, certainly, you know, I think it gave me an outlet to, to kind of make those decisions. I can control these ones. I can't control these ones. <laughs> um, and, and absolutely improve the relationship with my stepkids too. And I think back now on the stress and the tension that they must have felt in the home, uh, not intentionally, but it, it was there for sure. And how that was, again, over time, certainly massively alleviated. I think that for so many of us, we were hesitant to hand those reins over because we crave mm. control. Oh, listen, I am a control freak. Like, <laughs> really, I am a type A overthinker, anxious, like medicated. I I am absolutely that person, which I think is why I spent three years trying to change my husband, you know, uh, for that, I'm sorry, but, <laughs> um, but, and, and, and I think the biggest, um, the biggest step for a lot of women is that first one, because you feel like, but if I do that, then I lose all of my control. You know, um, I hear that all the time and that's what I felt too. And I would say to them, you know, but do you have it now? Like, is it working for you now? And I, I am so bad. Like I, I would occasionally like kind of you know, just drift by my husband in the room, like still don't agree with what you're doing. Just saying, you know, and walk away. <laughs> like, I just want you to know I'm still not in favor of your approach, but I'm out of it. <laughs> so that probably took me a good year to like, stop doing that. So it's, again, it's not easy. And we're, we are taught, um, socially, culturally that we are supposed to hold the reins. Right. And I did a lot of this, um, and we'll get into it, but a lot of this research in my PhD, like looking at a messaging in the media, you know, dad's the one that puts the kids in scoop gear and sends them to daycare and ugh, like doesn't know where the socks are. And, and again, this is very, you know, heteronormative, but dad's hapless. Mom's on top of it. Mom is the manager. Mom does all the booking. Mom does all the classes. Mom does all the, you know, organizing, the emotional management. So when you're bombarded with these messages that a woman in a family does this, and a man in a family does this. It sets you and your partner up again in a heterosexual relationship to expect that that's what the other person is going to do. So when when you can't just make the rules or you can't just manage the home, there's such a like an internal trauma that happens inside of you and you you're like, "Well, where do I fit and who am I if I can't do this?" and I'm supposed to do that, then who am I? And I don't think you're doing it the right way. Like we almost all come into this situation thinking that we can fix it 
right? Like we can make it better, but what if you can't? And what if that's not the role that you're supposed to play? Yeah, we want control. Absolutely. We want things to be better. We, Absolutely. Our intentions are pure. Our intentions are good, but our execution is actually counterproductive to our goals. Exactly. And it, like, I, it's funny, I was, you know, in preparation for this and thinking a lot about these things. And I feel like a really good example of how this plays out and how the rules are different for me is the example of bedtime. And I've talked about this before. So for me, bedtime was one of the biggest challenges. When I met my husband, the kids were five and seven, no bedtime. And, you know, yes, it's the weekend or yes, it's summer break, but like literally no bedtime. And it was one of those things. I don't know why. I just, I really attached myself to this idea. Like this is not healthy. It's not good for them. We have no evening to ourselves. I am going to show you that you need to establish a bedtime routine. And so of course I didn't tell the kids like bedtime, right? I talked to him about it and I'm like, this is what we should do. Let's talk about this. And he says, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea. Good idea. He does it for maybe a weekend and then it falls apart. And it literally took me like a couple of years to see that he is going to say whatever he thinks he should me and to make me feel like I'm being heard and I'm being valued but it's just not who he is. So his follow through is not there. And so I could come home or I would, you know, just be sitting there staring at him, staring at the clock, burning with a rage inside of me. Like we talked about this. What are you doing? What are you doing? I would be angry, go to bed angry, be passive aggressive to him, silent treatment. And this whole cycle perpetuates where he's miserable. Again, like I said, the kids can feel it and it's not working over one sort of small thing. As a counterexample, a couple weeks ago, struck him down by the flu, super sick in bed for two days. And it's a Saturday night. All the kids are here and the big ones are doing their thing, whatever. But I can hear that like my six-year-old is still up and it's way past bedtime. And I text Matt and I'm like, bedtime? Question mark. And he says, oh yeah, yeah. She's finishing her snack, whatever. Okay. Half an hour, 45 minutes go by. She's still watching TV. So I pick up the phone and I text him again and I say, dude, bedtime. Because they're my kids. I can do that. And I feel comfortable and confident doing that. When you don't have that same connection or relationship or bond, then you've got to do it through your partner. And it just is a huge opportunity for conflict. It is. And I really appreciate you bringing in your children that you share with Matt. The the difference in how the control that you have, the way that you are part of those parenting decisions can look differently. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, completely differently. I want to say one more thing about control, just because I hear, I'm imagining that it's me all those years ago, listening to this podcast saying, but if I try a little Mm. bit harder, then I'm going to get the control that I want. I've seen some progress. If I just continue to push and push and push, then this family will look and act the way that I want it to. It's not going to work. It's not going to be effective. It's not going to be the lasting change like you're talking about with bedtime lasted one weekend. And then the next weekend, they fell back into habits that they had formed over a period of time Mm -hmm. before I was part of the family. They fell into norms that worked for them. And that's the tricky part of the parent-child relationship predating our relationship. But also, (laughs) you can't have control in the way that you want it. 
for those of us who are so independent coming into this relationship, we had all the control we needed. But you come into this relationship and you don't have control. You don't have control over custody schedule or control yeah. over rules or bedtime or any of those things. At least not total control, complete control yourself. And you crave it and you try to get it back in any way you can. But you can't change your partner right. and you can't right. control your yeah. partner. And frankly, I wouldn't have wanted a partner I could control. Yeah. I loved that he was a strong, independent man who could think for himself. So why was I trying mm -hmm. so hard to get him to do what I wanted him to do? So a way for me to take back control was by choosing to step back. By making that decision for myself, I gained control where I felt like I didn't have any that's 100% the message that I give to other stepmoms is you feel like you're letting go of the modicum of control that you have. You're actually gaining so much more control because you get to choose where you participate, where you don't, what the boundaries are, and then how else you can fill your life and make it meaningful. I find for a lot of women and myself included, we tend to really focus in on this one part of our lives and we kind of let it take over like oh, I can't do that the kids will be here that weekend or you know we can't go away because what about the kids and custody and if you can fill your life with a variety of things that give you joy and peace and pleasure and something else to focus on all of a sudden you see that you do have control right that is control choosing how and where you fill your life, choosing the kinds of activities that you would like to be involved in with the kids. Um, it's, you know, and I know we're going to talk about communication, but as long as that communication piece is clear, that's control, right? Deciding where and who you want to be to these kids. Ah, so let's go there. What does that communication look like? How do you, or do you need to communicate your decision to step back to your partner? Yeah, uh, well, absolutely, 100%. And this is this is the most important part of this process. And, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about it at the end, but it, I developed a course that has six steps around stepping back in it. And just for context, communication is step four. So it's not, it's not step one. It's not the beginning. You do a lot of work in the beginning um, to set yourself up for this process. You do a lot of reflection, a lot of identifying, you know, what are the things that are really triggering me? Because what you can't do is go to your partner and just say, I'm out, I'm done. I'm not doing any of this anymore. I've had enough, blah, blah, blah. I'm piecing out. And then the next week kind of drift back into doing stuff again, just like what I talked about with bedtime, right? If you're going to do it, you've got to do it properly and you've got to stick to it. So there's a lot of work beforehand around that inner work, that reflection, identifying where it is that you need to step back and developing a plan. So where do I want to be involved and where do I want to let go? Because you can choose that. That's another piece of that power, that control is you can make those decisions. Um, so then you talk to your partner in a time and space that works for both of you, not when you're fighting, not when the kids are right there, not when you're disagreeing about bedtime, but in a really neutral time and space. And you ensure that you are three things. You are calm, you are clear, and you are concise. And what I want you to do is position everything from your perspective, me, I. It's all about me, what I feel, what I experience, what I need. This is not the place to say, the kids never do their homework anyway. 
you know, the kids never do their laundry, you know, you don't ask them to do it, blah, blah, blah. It's all about what I experience and what I need. So we're going to talk about how you feel from that perspective, what you are no longer going to be doing, what you will do and where you would like to contribute. And crucially, the boundaries that you need to set up to ensure that you're both successful in doing that going forward. Do you have an example of one of those boundaries of what that might look like? Yeah. So let's take a really simple example of laundry. So let's say, um, let's say you've got teenage stepkids and you're like, they should be doing their own laundry. You've been arguing about it. You've been asking the kids, they don't do it. Your partner doesn't enforce it. And you're the one that ends up doing all the laundry and you are like, uh, up up to the limit. You're like, I'm done. So, okay. Take some time, do your thinking, do your planning, plan your communication, write it down. Sometimes a lot of women I've, I've talked to find it easier to write down what they need to say, because in the moment you get nervous, upset. I, I cry when I have hard conversations and it makes me so angry because I'm, I'm not sad, but, but I'm crying. <laughs> so write it down if that helps. And maybe you say um, the following, you know what, babe, I am, I feel really frustrated. I have been trying for months to kind of have some sort of plan around laundry. I know you and I don't really agree on this and I don't like bugging the kids about it. It's not working for me. And I'm feeling really, really frustrated with the whole situation. What I'm going to do, I'm going to continue doing our laundry Maybe you're really nice and you're going to keep washing your husband's underwear. I don't know. Um, I'm going to continue doing our laundry. I'm happy to do that, but I'm going to let you kind of take the reins on the kids' laundry and figure out how that's going to be done. It's just that, you know, everything else is cool or I I love cooking. I'm still going to cook for them. I don't mind doing that. It's really the laundry that's the big thing for me. And I'm going to let you deal with how that gets done. However you do it is up to you. But that's what I need. That's what I need to do right now for a bit of peace and, you know, clarity of mind or whatever. So you've told them that it's how you feel. You won't be doing it. And they're in charge of figuring out how it gets done. And you have, as you're part of the the bargain, you have to not care about that. Right. So if your husband is up until midnight doing laundry, who cares? That's his decision. And he's the parent. You can think it's stupid. You can think it's a waste of his time. You can continue thinking the kids aren't learning life lessons, but you do not need to share that. You're not feeling the brunt of it anymore. So you need to let them parent the way they see it. And there's a number of ways that your partner can choose to satisfy this requirement. They can outsource laundry. They can have their kids do laundry. Absolutely. They can assign one kid to do laundry this week, the next one the next week, the third one the next Or they can choose to stay up till midnight. They're going to choose the path of least resistance for themselves, but that is their burden to carry. It's not yours. That's right. The big thing, the big key is that, you know, you're not going to continue bearing the brunt of that decision. It's not your decision. If, you know, and I think about that now. So if it's my kids, I'm going to get them to do blank because I can't do that here. I'm not going to be the one to feel the repercussions. That's going to have to be on your partner at the same time. However, they choose to do it has to be not your business, right? One of my favorite quotes of all time from a stepmom retreat that I was on when one of the attendees said, I realized I had to let him parent as shitty as he wanted. (laughs) And it was like, oh my God, 
So true. Like if that's your choice, okay, bud, that's your choice. It wouldn't be mine, but that's not my decision to make. So, and, and stick with it. Cause I think that's also really important too. If after two weeks you go, oh my God, I cannot believe you're still doing the laundry. Forget it. I'll do it. Then you've completely, you know, undermined this really kind of helpful process. Another thing I just want to add on to that too, is don't step back with the intention or like the secret goal that they're going to change, that your partner is going to change because they're probably not going to. And that's really important. So don't think to yourself with that, like, let's just say the laundry example as a simple one. Oh, well, ha ha ha. Because in two weeks, I can guarantee you those kids will be doing their laundry. Don't do that to yourself because it's probably not what's going to happen. And and you're going to have to be okay with that and not be disappointed by that. Yeah. I mean, your partner has an entirely different perspective on the issue of laundry. And when we go down sort of this rabbit hole of your partner's fear yes. of being too harsh or having too many rules and parenting from a place of guilt, because so many of our partners yes. share that experience, our partners are focusing on something at a much more core level of I just need my kids to know that they are loved and safe in our home. Absolutely. So they are going to approach things like that differently. And of course, there's a balance. There's we need to teach them how to be responsible and they need to know they're loved. But your partner is probably the best person to determine when we can add on the onus of laundry. 100% agree. It's, It's never just about the thing, right? It's never the laundry. It's never the clean room. It's never the bedtime. It's and now and I mean, I really can look back and see some of those things like, of course, you don't want to put them to bed at eight o'clock. You haven't seen them for a week and a half. You know, you just want to soak up every minute. And now I get that. So it's it's a lot of learning for everyone. Yeah. And I think the stepmom's best friend in these scenarios mm. when you're trying to learn how to step away from something is to close the door. I don't want to see the overflowing hamper. I'm going to close the door. I don't want to see the dirty bathroom. I'm going to close the door. And it's a little bit of like, uh, I've used this phrase a lot and it's, it, it's silly, but it's true. It's a bit of like a fake it till you make it, you know? And that's for me, like when I finally was like, okay, oh my God, this bedtime thing is going to kill me. And I know it sounds so trivial, but it was really a big deal. What I started doing was going to bed, just started going to bed. I'm like, I'm just going to go to bed. I'm going to take a glass of wine, my Netflix, and I'm going to go to bed and, and just shut the door, as you said. And then for the first I don't know, a couple of months or so, I would do it and be, you know, kind of pissed off and just like, oh, fine, fine, whatever. See ya. Good night. And then after a while, just one day I realized I actually really like this time. You know, this is nice time for me, or I would, you know, make a date, a girl's night or, you know, what have you. And you start to realize like, wait a minute, there are other really nice ways that I can fill this time. And all I have to do, and that's a great way to put it, is just shut the door. Just, you don't have to see everything all the time. Yeah. Your partner in this way of prioritizing Mm -hmm. what they needed with their child forced you to prioritize self-care. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a, I didn't even think of it that way, but it's so true. Yeah. It's frustrating in that moment to be like, but I just want to be with you or I just want structure or I just want whatever that is. But if you can reframe it to, I'm not getting that, that ultimate thing I want. I would love for bedtime to be at eight o'clock. And then I have the rest of the evening, just me and my partner. If you can't get that ultimate thing you want because you can't change or control other people what's the next best thing 
a glass of wine and some Netflix and unwinding from the day until my partner is ready to come in and they filled their cup and they're ready to be with me and we can have both of us be present in the moment and have that quality time together. Absolutely. If my partner is feeling guilty because he put his kid to bed early and he forced a bedtime at eight o'clock when his child was really wanting to open up to him about something, you know, I... I had a really hard day at school today. I really want to talk to you about it or begging for that third glass of water or one extra story Mm -hmm. just because they need that time with their parent that they don't see 100% of the time. If it would break my partner's heart to say no to that, to say yes to me, it's not worth having control over that situation. Absolutely. You're both not getting what you need, right? And so there's got to be a way for you to both feel like you can get what you need, you know, within a certain boundary. And it's really interesting because it all kind of comes back to, and I'm sure you've talked to people about this, around expectations and talking about expectations. And so much of this struggle in, in anything to do with a step family is because we don't talk about our expectations with each other. It, it's like there's something wrong with actually saying, you know, where do you think that I will come into play in this dynamic? Or what do you envision my role to look like? And now let me share mine and we kind of see where the where it coincides. And I think a lot of that is just, well, A, we're not taught to do that. I mean, we're taught to negotiate for a job, but we're not taught to have these conversations in a romantic relationship. And and it, it seems like as though we feel like it takes the romance out of it, but also those social norms, again, are so strong that it's almost like, well, I know what I need to do. Like the world is telling me what I need to do. I know I have to run this household. Day one, here I go. And when I spoke to women for my research, and I talked to women all across Canada, um, your neighbor to the north, and uh, every single one of them, you know, there was very little that was a completely shared experience, but every single one of them talked about jumping in whole hog, both feet right from the beginning and at some point having to wind her back a little bit, right? And so it, it has to be some kind of cultural norm that teaches us this. Otherwise, why are women all over the place doing the same thing? It's not sustainable for anyone for you to maintain that yeah. level of energy or involvement, whatever that that is for you. It causes burnout. It causes resentment. Yeah. It causes friction in your relationships. It's a challenge and we do it with pure intentions. I I just want to say that again, because it's, you're not doing it to be the evil stepmom. You're not doing it to make things harder for your partner. It's, I I would just want to help. Let me help. Put me in coach. Yeah. It's so important. And you're right. You know, because otherwise none of us would be here because it is hard. And I remember thinking for me, and I know you've had a lot of, you know, your own sort of life experiences as a child and just thinking like, oh my God, I know what divorced parents feels like. What can I do to make this as easy as possible for those kids, as comfortable as possible for those kids? It's just that, you know, and again, it takes a long time to realize what they really just want is love, right? They just want to be loved. They want to be safe. They want to feel as though they're not in the way. They're not doing anything wrong. And whereas, you know, sometimes we come in with the intention of like fixing the home and like creating this, this, you know, sort of structure, this organizational 
structure that makes things flow and function. And oh yeah, love. Like love is secondary for a stepmom very often and it, with the best intentions because you just don't have that inner tie to that child. But for your partner, it's love first and all of that stuff can come later. So you've got two people coming at childcare with totally different intentions. And, you know, I think about that with our kids together, it's the perfect blend because I'm still that control freak, that type A bedtime is homework done, is lunches packed, you know, whatever. And my husband is the one rolling around on the floor with them in the other room, you know, wrestling until it's like, oh my God, now they have to go to sleep and you're still wrestling them. But when it's your kids together, the blend is easier because you both bring your strengths to the table. With step parenting, sometimes we're trying to compete. You know, this is more important. No, this is more important. No, 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 no. I know what's better. Yeah. I'd like to, I just want to reiterate this point that our partners see mm. their children through a lens of love. We see our stepchildren yes. through a lens of obligation. And we need to take yeah. care of them. We need yes. to raise them well. And that love is secondary. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's not the driving force. Yeah. And maybe it's a love for our partner that drives the obligation, but it is not love for our stepchildren that drives us. They are a conditional part. Well, I, you know, I said this many times. I have yet to meet a stepmom who met the kids first and fell in love with those little kids and said, oh my God, I want to be in your life. Do you happen to have a single father? (laughs) You know? doesn't, I I would love to meet that person, but it doesn't really happen that way, right? The kids are part of the deal that comes with your love and obviously strong love for your partner, because there are so many things that you have to navigate along with that. And that's okay. And I think we have to stop feeling like that's a dirty thing or an unloving thing. That's not a bad thing. That's okay. They have a mom, they have a dad, they have people that love them. We love them. We grow that love over time, which is actually pretty amazing. You know, when you do develop such a love and a bond with those children over time, I love my stepkids. I haven't actively parented them for years, but I love them and that's okay. Yeah, it is. So what does your role look like? Do you have a definition of your role? It may be helpful for you and I, if you feel comfortable to share, I'm totally putting you on the spot here, Mm -hmm. for us to share Mm -hmm. what our role looks like, because I have also stepped back in a lot of ways with my stepdaughter. Mm. And so if we can just give some examples, anyone who's trying to figure out what that looks like, they've got our example. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Do you want me to go first? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, so when they were quite, um, I think now, uh, so about eight and 10 is when I kind of made that decision to step back. So since then, and now they're 14 and 16. So it's, yeah, wow. It's been like six years. Ah. And I, I never really, I don't like the term stepped back in because I was never gone, but I never took over those reins again. I've remained in that sort of, you know, backup goalie position ever since, which has been great for me. I mean, for me personally, the experience of having my own kids has, has also facilitated, I think, the continuance of that, of that role. 
But, you know, at this point where they're a little bit older, they need much less of that physical care of young children. It really looks like a loving, nurturing relationship where I'm that person that they can talk to, that they can, you know, be silly with. We can watch movies. We can do things. I'm supportive. We can talk about their future. I work at a university and my husband is a, a, you know, 20 years so far, like military member. And so we've had polar opposite experiences in terms of school. So that's one place that I really help and contribute, I think is, you know, conversations around future and school and possibilities. And so I, I just, I think of myself as like a really loving adult. I call myself a stepmom. I call them my stepkids. Um, and, and I think most importantly, a support for my partner um, when they're going through things, when they're dealing with, oh my gosh, so-and-so is having a hard time, you know, always having a hard time at school. I don't know how to do, how to encourage him. I'm the sounding board. And I think, you know, you're, it's a careful balance sometimes that, you know, that you have the reserve energy to be that sounding board, but that's, that's kind of how I see myself right now. And I'm like excited to think about the future and what that looks like. And, but I'm really happy with where I sit today. Because our roles evolve. Totally. Our relationships with the stepkids change as their, their place Mm -hmm. in life changes, how receptive to us Mm -hmm. they are. There are definitely ebbs and flows. And so our roles do change. So for me, I think there are three main parts to my role. And the first one is that I love Kevin well. And part of that is to role model a healthy relationship for Krista, of course. And I think that that's a big part of it. She's already witnessed a failed marriage. And so I want to give her that really positive example of a loving relationship with kind communication and prioritizing connection and things of that nature. But I think another big part of this is that without Kevin, there is no Krista for me. My relationship with her is completely dependent on my relationship with him. So I love him well to show up as a stepmom well. The second big part of my role is to be a safe space for her. Much like you were saying, being that safe space for your stepkids, I want to be someone that she feels like she can talk to if she's had a bad day, if she wants to talk about her emotions. But I also, I'll be honest, I kind of go down this like Mm -hmm. rabbit hole of she's only 13 right now, but later when she's at the party, she needs a ride home. I want her to know she can call me that I'm a safe space Mm. for her. And then I think the third big part of my role as a stepmom is to role model healthy values and behaviors. I don't have total control, like we were talking about with bedtime or rules or home culture. And yet this is a way that I can really leave my mark on my stepdaughter's life. It's a way that I can really influence her and show up in that parental role that I want to in a way that feels very safe and protected and comfortable and natural, authentic for me. These things that are important to me, I can pass them on to her. And I do that by role modeling it. I I kind of pretend that there's little eyes on me everywhere so that I know I'm showing up in a way that feels good as a parent. That's beautiful. Has that changed for you over time? Like the role, broadly speaking? She's gotten to be a preteen and now a teenager. That has definitely shifted. The way she's Mm. wanting me to be in her life has shifted. So I let her lead that a little bit more with kind of like more subtle reminders here and there that I'm here. So 
I do believe that how I have shown up as a stepmom has shifted quite a bit to adapt to what she needs and what she's receptive to. But I don't think my goals have really changed. You know, what's really interesting about that is I um, I often think about my stepfather. So he's been in my life since I was like 16, 17. And, you know, early years were not easy. And that was, you know, just family upheaval and change and teenage well I was such a I was probably a little arse really but um but I we have such a good relationship such a close relationship and he's he's papa to my kids and the one thing that I look back on and think about with him is that he never ever tried to parent me and I know that there are differences with women and men and and expectations around that certainly but my mom is a stepmom to his kids and her and I have talked about you know the secret to her success because they all love her um and and I'm like well what did you do or not do or or whatever and she said I I didn't try to be their mom I you know she's like I already had you guys and you know that was enough and she's like it just I knew that that wasn't my role because I knew if someone tried to do that for you, it would have been very difficult for me. And so I think sometimes it's almost like we might feel like we know what the best thing to do is. And the best thing to do is be the mom in this home and, and really kind of almost overwhelmed with that love and attention and need to care for. And sometimes it actually works in our favor or is, is, is what kids need is for us to just take a little bit of a step back and give them a bit of breathing room and let them guide the level of involvement that, that they need. Um, and I think if you're, you know, you're kind and you're gentle and you love their parent, that can never go wrong. You know, like they can look for more and you might be receptive to giving more, but it's easier to give a little bit more, I think, than it is to step way, way, way back from what you've already done. I feel like that's the perfect place for us to wrap this discussion. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I think we've got this gorgeous view of our role and how we can approach it with grace and kindness and respect for everyone else in this dynamic Mm. while feeling like we are making an impact feeling like we are fulfilling our purpose Mm. as a parent in their lives i just love you i absolutely adore you and i so respect everything you have to offer i know i had lots of stuff i wanted us to talk about but i feel like this conversation was so valuable and authentic And we went places I just didn't even know that we were going to get to. And I think it has been so valuable to so many. You are such an incredible resource. I would love it if you could please share, please share more about your course and where stepmoms can find you and read more of your Yeah, I love that. And I mean, my gosh, like we could, this could go on for four hours um, and and that's where we're going to lose a lot of people, right? (laughs) So... Yeah, so I right now I'm I'm kind of focusing on, you know, providing access to this course I created is, you know, the six steps to stepping back. And so really walks people through each 
stage of this process. And the goal really being to ensure that you do that thought work up front and you do that planning work up front so you can be successful. How to communicate this. And I talk a bit about communication with your partner and is there communication required with the kids? Because most often there's not, you know, this is a parent and an, an adult issue. So how to kind of keep it at that level while reassuring kids that, you know, they're loved, they're safe and, and everything is, is still fine. And then how to actually put it into practice and then how to assess it. Because one of the things that, you know, it's like, oh, I've been taking vitamins for six months and I feel great. So I'm going to stop taking vitamins. And you're like, but you feel good because you're taking vitamins. You know, so if you think like, well, I'm ready to jump back in because things are really great right now. It's kind of the, well, you know, hold on a second. Is it working? Because it's working for everyone. And, And so just a bit of that piece around how to assess whether or not, you know, you're good, you need to make more changes or what have you. So you can really the easiest way to, to get more information uh, about that and to, or to take the course is to contact me just directly by email. Um, so it's steplife at yahoo.com. And, um, and I'm also just happy to, you know, to hear from women. I take on a couple of clients here and there, but a little bit less now because life is busy. And this has been wonderful. I feel like we could do part two, three, four, five, and six. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's you agreeing to come back, agreeing. right? <laughs> and if it helps anyone, I think that that's just, that's the golden nugget for me. Like if it helps one person to feel okay to do this and feel like it's, it's okay and you're not a bad person. And in fact, this is going to be better for everybody. That's great. Yes, you are delightful. And I know that this has been such an incredible resource to anyone who is trying to figure out what their role looks like, trying to figure out what stepping back for them looks like, how to do it, how to communicate it. I think this has been such an incredible discussion and I just so appreciate you being here. And I so appreciate you, my stepmom friends, listening, tuning into the Stepmom and Made Easy podcast week after week. If you have not done so yet, please subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, leave me all your feedback. I am so grateful for you tuning in and I will see you next week.